You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. In a word, Ben Simmons' defense halfway through the regular season has been sensational. Simmons steals the inbound, goes in and puts it up and good. Ben Simmons with back-to-back baskets. Yes, he's among the NBA leaders in several key statistical categories, but what he's been doing defensively goes well beyond that. I think we don't give versatility like kind of Simmons has, maybe because it's so rare and we don't encounter it very often, the credit it deserves. Because I think it really does help an entire team become more cohesive when you have a player like that. The Ringer's Rob Mahoney returns to talk about Ben Simmons and defense on this episode of The Broadcast. How you doing out there, 76ers pod people? I'm Brian Seltzer. Hope you are great. Very much appreciate you coming back for another episode of the broadcast or giving it a listen for the first time. Rob Mahoney is back for another appearance. Can't wait to chat with him about a recent article he wrote about Ben Simmons being a hell of a defensive player, as it was put in the article's title that ran on The Ringer earlier this week. So we'll get into that in a moment. I want to remind you that to subscribe to the podcast, you can essentially go anywhere you get your pods, search 76ers Podcast Network or 76ers Podcast, and that will take you to our feeds on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, all those places and more. Search 76ers Podcast Network to subscribe. Let's go back to mid-September before we started seeing evidence on a regular basis of Ben Simmons being one of the elite defenders in the entire NBA. It was a couple weeks before training camps assembled, and in another life, at another media outlet, the ringer's Rob Mahoney released his annual NBA Top 100 list. Rob had Ben Simmons, number 23 on that list, and one of the reasons why, Rob cited Simmons' defensive versatility. Simmons to scramble back and intercept it. Don't ask me how he did it. Simmons directing traffic. The lob for Pell. Yes! Marvelous two-way play by Ben Simmons. It is great to have Rob back on the broadcast. Rob, why don't we start here? Before the games even began back in October this year, 
What did you expect to see from Ben Simmons defensively this season? Well, I think what we had seen in, in seasons past is just that ability for his team. You know, for, you know, in top 100, we're talking about kind of a generic team context. Obviously, in real life, we're talking about the Sixers to move him all around the floor to help dictate matchups, to help control things for his teammates. And it's such a valuable thing from a team building standpoint because you know whether it's you know you're, you're protecting JJ Redick in seasons past or you know maybe with this year's team you're just trying to to fine tune your matchups to make sure you're getting Simmons on on the perfect guy to really kind of smother them and use his physicality to your advantage. That really gives a lot of power to a coach. Uh, it helps you build lineups more effectively. It helps you maintain your bench even more effectively. And so you know that's one area where I think we we don't give versatility like the kinds like the kind that Simmons has maybe because it's so rare and we don't encounter it very often but we don't we don't quite give it the credit it deserves because I, I think it really does help an entire team become more cohesive when you have a player like that your vantage point as you cover the NBA is an intriguing one because there's so many storylines that you have to follow for obviously all 30 teams in the league was there a matchup earlier on this season, a game, a play, a moment when you were watching the 76ers, saw a highlight of Ben Simmons playing defensively, and you were like, hey, there's something happening here? There's, I mean, with him, it's almost just kind of an accumulation where you, you see him chasing over screens against so, you know, so many of these smaller guards and, doing, and just doing an incredible job for a player his size. And that's one area where, you know, especially if you watch the Warriors a lot over the last few years or any of these teams that have really good off-ball movers and that encourage opponents to switch, you know, watching a guy, you know, a big switched on Steph Curry or Klay Thompson try to chase them over a screen, it's impossible. Like, bigs just are not prepared to do something like that. They don't have the practice doing it. And so that's what always stuck out to me with Simmons was this idea that the NBA is more, you know, three-point driven, off-ball screen driven. Uh, and, and certainly, you know, your ability to get over the screen as a defender, it's never been more valuable than it is now. And he's, you know, a guard in, in the modern context who can do that. He just happens to be, you know, 6'10". And, and that's, it's such a strange combination of size and skill in that way. And so I think that's what jumped out to me more than anything. And, you know, we've seen it recently, uh, particularly in the first half of that game against Dallas when he was guarding Luka Doncic and just hounding him over these screens you know guard you know really taking away not only his driving lanes but you know the passing angles that you know really getting directly in the way of whatever Doncic was trying to accomplish I think that's what we've seen from Simmons time and time again over the course of this year against some of the higher profile guards in the league speaking of high profile guards Simmons certainly had to go up against a few of them in the postseason last year, in the opening round, he spent a lot of time on D'Angelo Russell, who was then with the Brooklyn Nets. Russell around the screen again, fine talent underneath. Ben Simmons there defensively for Philadelphia. And then, of course, in the second round, he was the 76ers' primary man, marking Kawhi Leonard. Leonard, one-on-one with Simmons. Leonard blocked by Ben Simmons on the perimeter. And even for everything that Kawhi did, such a Herculean effort he made, the 76ers felt, talking about Brett Brown and Elton Brand, that Ben Simmons, for as much as he could, acquitted himself and made like difficult on Kawhi. Simmons now is in, Rob, his third year. Can you comp his progress, the jump it seems like he's making defensively, to anyone else that you've seen before at this stage of Ben's career? I don't think there are a lot of comps for him specifically just because, as I mentioned, you know, the, the uniqueness of his skill set you really don't see. You know, on, in an everyday context, even, you know, I, I wouldn't even know who to compare him to. Do you compare him to other bigs? Other, you know, do you compare him to some wings, other guards? Uh, just because he has a little bit of all of that. And it's, you know, that ability to to guard Kawhi 
but also to guard James Harden and also to guard, you know, Pat, you know Pascal Siakam if you want him to. Um, and so that combination, I think, is what's so tricky with him and, and puts him in such a unique space. I think developmentally speaking, a lot of players, you know, within their specific defensive lanes, you'll see things start to click for them, you know, maybe three or four or five years into the league. Uh, ben, I think, was a really strong defender right out of the gate. That was, you know, part of what kind of separated him in his rookie of the year race to start was the fact that he was coming out, you know, into the league, a pretty complete product, you know, jumper aside. You know, he was doing all these other things at such a high level. And that was really hard to argue with, in, you know, in the rookie of the year race. And then when you look at how he's grown since then, I think he's learned to use his, his body and his strength even more effectively. Uh, he, was, he always had the instincts in terms of, you know, picking off passes that were just kind of hanging in the passing lanes a little too long. You know, really has a good sense of where the ball is going to be and how to position his body. But then it comes down to, you know, how do you, how do you compete against some of the best athletes in the world, some of the biggest and strongest athletes in the world, and how do, you, how do you kind of maneuver yourself to take advantage of whatever you know, skills and advantages you have? And I think that's where we've seen him kind of grow over the course of these last couple of years is really using that length to its fullest extent. You mentioned, Rob, guys like Luka Doncic and James Harden, looking back over the last couple of weeks, who Ben Simmons has had to go up against. But there's also been Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, at times Pascal Siakam, Jimmy Butler for the bulk of the 76ers' three games against the Miami Heat so far that Ben has had to deal with. Any other individual matchups that he's been featured in that have really intrigued you? I think it's mostly on that end of the spectrum where just given a player of, you know, of his size and, and clearly of his talents, you would expect him to, you know, if you need him to guard a pick and roll big, he can do that for you. If you need him to, you know, step in and be a small ball center, we started, you know, guarding Ennis Cantor a little bit uh, when they played the Celtics with Joel out, then he can do that. Like that's just something a player his size should be able to do. Uh, but the more miraculous thing are those matchups. It's, you know, it's guarding Bradley Beal. It's, you know, a guy who covers more ground over the course of an NBA game than almost anybody else. And so it's those kinds of tireless assignments that I think maybe he doesn't even get enough credit for within this conversation where there's guarding elite guards and then there's guarding, you know, really kind of trying to check guards who are going to run you ragged over the course of a game. And Simmons is a guy who I think, you know, offensively, you could certainly critique his energy level. You know, you want to see him be more aggressive at times. You want to see him attack the basket more directly at times. Defensively, he, he kind of always brings it. And he's a guy who looks like he's flat-footed a lot of the time. He looks like he might just be kind of chilling. But that's exactly at the moment when, you know, the, the opponent tries to throw a pass out to reset the offense, and he just rips it and goes to the other side for a dunk. Nice defense on Brogdon, taken away by Simmons, who leads the NBA and steals all the way in, and he slams for two. What a half for Ben There's Simmons. always this conversation about there being perhaps a blueprint on how to defend Ben Simmons in terms of his offensive skill set. But what type of things do coaches and opposing players have to think about, given all that Ben is able to do on the opposite end of the court with his defense? I mean, there's a lot to reckon with, for sure. And I think some of that speaks to the Sixers more broadly, where you could go into a game against Philadelphia when fully healthy and just not have a good sense of who is going to end up guarding your best player. And I think that's kind of where, where the Sixers have the greatest potential when you're looking at who they could be in the playoffs, and you know, especially if you're looking down the line at you know, who are the teams that could best match up with Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Bucks and some of these other you know, really good teams in the Eastern Conference. Just the idea that oh, we could put Simmons on a guy like Giannis, or we could put Joel, as we saw in the Christmas Day game, or we could put Al Horford, as we've seen periodically over the course of his recent career. 
having that variability is really is you know it, it really adds a level of complexity to those matchups that makes them so much harder to predict for opponents, so much harder to game plan for. And that's not even getting into you know whether we want to talk about you know Matisse Thybul or or Josh Richardson, who are you know really strong defenders in their own right, guarding maybe a slightly different variation of a player than Ben may be on some nights. But all those pieces kind of interlocking. It is so hard to reckon with. Simmons, the strip of Aldridge, another steal for Ben. Running the floor, five on first of their opening slams for two. That was a gear I haven't seen before from Matisse Thibel. Able to split two defenders, but how about that handoff from Ben? A lot of what we've talked about so far with Ben has been kind of, I guess, holistic, eye test related stuff. When you review some of the numbers defensively that Ben Simmons has been putting up, first in the league in steals, third in deflections, first in loose balls recovered, those stand out too. What do you make of those stats? How do you reconcile them with what Ben's been doing? I mean, I think especially when you're talking about the kind of on-ball recovering, you know, whether steals and deflections, things like that, I think that speaks more to a sense of timing than anything else. And, and his kind of understanding of the geometry of the floor. Um, I, I mean, if you want to really break down basketball, it's a lot of kind of if-then action. You know, if, the, if an offensive player drives in this particular way, where is he most likely going to kick out the ball? Who is he going to be looking for? What are the reads that are going to be available to him? And I think Simmons, again, at a very young age coming into the league, already had kind of an inherent sense of how those things work. And, and maybe there's an interplay there in terms of being a playmaker himself and kind of realizing what he would see on a potential drive and what that means for the opponent, you know, the opposing point guard and how he wants to play that in terms of, you know, where he might dig in to try to disrupt their dribble, how he might try to anticipate their passes and things like that. There's there's just a level of kind of basketball literacy with Ben that is really impressive on a nightly basis. And it, again, the conversation around him gets so much bigger when you start talking about his offense and his jump shot and all, all the things, you know, he can't do, which are really in the grand scheme of things are pretty limited when really we're talking about a player with a pretty high basketball IQ. And I think that's what's, what sings out of those stats most consistently for me. At the moment, of course, the 76ers, Rob, missing Joel Embiid due to injury. How does that change what the team needs from Ben on defense? I mean, it changes a lot. I mean, and, and some of it, you know, if you really want to dig into the data around the Sixers in terms of, you know, which lineups are most effective defensively, which players have the best kinds of on-off splits and things like that, a lot of it comes down to who is playing with Joel the most because he's just a, a completely transformational defensive player, a guy who you know you could stick on some of the best bigs in the league, but more importantly, he's just going to be such a such an asset and help. And you know, having Al Horford is a luxury there. I think we've seen over the course of this year that uh, just just having him, you're seeing the drop off from Joel to you know the second unit bigs has been much less severe, has even swung the Sixers' way in some occasions. So that's nice, but I think especially with that, without Embiid in the lineup, the rest of this team is still kind of figuring out what they are defensively as a team. There are a lot of really strong individual pieces, guys who either have been you know, on excellent defensive teams and anchored excellent defensive teams in the past or have shown kind of really strong individual defensive effort and talent. The question is, how, how does all that fit together when you're taking out the you know really the best and, and kind of the landmark defender of the bunch? And I think they're still kind of fine-tuning that, whether it's you know how exactly how Al Horford is positioning himself defensively in kind of a drop coverage, whether it's you know the angles that Ben is taking, you know the the rotations, particularly you know when you're talking about Tobias Harris or players like that. There's still a lot to work out, and I think that's what's where we've seen kind of some of the unevenness and the sloppiness in some of these games. 
but I think the talent overall, the credibility and the credentials there is kind of unimpeachable. And so it's really, I think, more of a, a matter of when than if for the Sixers. Uh, but obviously there's the question of, of, you know, when you're getting Joel back into this lineup and whether they'll really have time to kind of form their own defensive identity without him. The 76ers still have about half the season to go to fine-tune some things, work on things. But going back to when they first got together, they've been talking about having championship aspirations. We know the 76ers want to make a deep run in the playoffs. When it comes to Ben Simmons and the defense he's playing, how much do you see that translating from what he's been doing so far in the regular season to the playoffs when it matters the most? I don't see too much of a distinction in his case. And some of that is, again, because there's such a wide range of what he could offer you, where you know, I think there are a lot of really great players in the league who you put them in a playoff setting and you ask them to guard an opposing superstar who might struggle, just given the particulars of that superstar's skill set. You know, maybe they do uh, they attack in a specific way that this defender might be vulnerable to. With Ben, that's not really as much of an issue because even if he does struggle in a particular matchup, you could move him to other ones in which he could still have a huge impact. And so I think with with his game, it really is just a matter of moving the chess pieces around, uh, which is exactly where you want to be in terms of planning long-term, in terms of looking forward to the postseason. I think he gives you a lot of variability. Ben Simmons was moved all over the court defensively. He, uh, he seemed like he was your chess piece tonight. The, the plays that he can make from an athletic standpoint, the plays that he makes from a physical standpoint uh, is, is just elite. You know, you hear me sort of... Um, cheerlead the cause of him being on an NBA all-defensive team, and it's examples like that that, to me, make it a no-brainer. Rob, from what you've been able to gather in terms of following the league and doing some reporting, what does the rest of the league say about Ben's defense? I feel like the media narrative has been pretty favorable and praiseworthy of his defensive impact this year. Are players, coaches seeing similar things? I think they are. and you know, Some of it, again, is within the, the broader tapestry of the Sixers in general not being a particularly fun team to play against. I think, you know, the, just their sheer size throws a lot of teams for a loop. And, you know, you kind of know going into those games what you're going to be in for from that perspective, for, you know, just in terms of size and physicality. As far as Ben's defense specifically, you do hear some praise around the league. I think it's starting to get a little bit louder. Uh, but these reputations do take a little bit of time to catch up sometimes. So, it, you know, if you ask people who are the best defensive guards in the league, I don't think Ben Simmons is going to be the first name out of their mouth, in part because they may not even think of him as a guard. So, you know, you may jump to Patrick Beverly first. So you may jump to, you know, whoever, you know, if you want to think about some wings as guards, then that conversation gets broader. I think Ben, you know, given the players, you know, I think he's clearly a point guard functionally for their offense. I think he's, he guards, ends up guarding a lot of point guards defensively because, as we've talked about, that ability to maneuver around screens, to stay in front of action, to keep involved, makes him really well suited to do that. Whether you know Josh Richardson or him or whoever ends up guarding a point guard on a given night is more of a coach's decision than anything else. So I think you know, when, you, when you really barrel down into that conversation about who are the best defensive guards in the league, Ben is at or, you know, at or near the top of that list, whether the, the player base in the league fully acknowledges that or not, just from a perspective of positionality, I think it is a different question. Brett Brown has referred to Ben Simmons already in the conversation of all-league defensive candidate, potential defensive player of the year candidate. Do you think he has a shot at any of those lofty honors? 
I mean, I think he certainly looks like a first-team defender to me, given what he's done so far. And, you know, we're again, we're only halfway through the season. Things can change, whether because of injury, because of guys forced into different roles, or sometimes players will just shine over the back half of the year. So th- there's definitely a, a race to be run. But in terms of what he gives you, I just see something completely different than any other guard skill set in the league, something so much more broader, so much more important. You know, point guard defense historically has been kind of a thorny conversation because, you know, as we kind of alluded to in talking about Joel, bigs can just have such a different impact in terms of the way they help. You know, it's really valuable to have a guy who can lock in on one opponent, who can, you know, be a stopper on the perimeter, who can get them out of their first move. That's an important thing to have. But when you look at kind of defensive data that's available, a lot of it points to the idea that having that high-level secondary defender, the shot blocker, the rim protector, or the guy who's you know covering space like Draymond Green who can cover angles and things like that, that that's even more important. And I think Ben kind of bridges that divide in a way that no other guard does, where he's giving you some of the stopper potential that some of the best perimeter defenders in the league have, and also some of that rotation and help and just the ability that you know even if he's guarding on the perimeter off the ball and you need someone to kind of help in against a pick-and-roll, that guy is you know, a 6'10 player with great instincts who's going to time that pretty well. Before letting you go, Rob, we've talked exclusively about Ben Simmons. Any other 76ers impressions at the midway point of the season? Thoughts on how things could ultimately shake out as the year moves along? I mean, there's, there's so many thoughts with this team, to be honest <laughs> with you. Uh, it's been such a strange season for them overall, and you know, it, they feel so much like a team that is struggling to kind of define itself, to, stru- you know, to, to figure out not, not what kind of team they want to be, but how they want to go about specific actions, how they want to manage and balance things between this lineup that I think, you know, especially going into the season for people in our profession, is just dizzying to think about all the potential of having this much size and skill pulled together in one roster the possibilities of that are really fascinating. I don't think we've seen them quite make good on that yet over any extended period of time. You see it for a quarter, you see it for a half, you see it for you know maybe a particular statement game where they really get up for their opponent. The, the question with them is really can they sustain that? And Because I think when, when you talk to the other teams, especially in the East, there's a lot of respect for what the Sixers could be. Uh, and so the question is whether, whether Philly can make good on that at a level where they're playing championship level basketball every game it's a tough thing you know it's a tough thing to get up for mentally it's a tough thing to sustain emotionally over the course of an 82 game season and then some but I don't think there's any question that the Sixers have the ability to do that I think that's what puts them in such an interesting space going into the back half of the year always a great read and even better conversation Rob Mahoney from The Ringer thanks so much man thanks Brian you can follow Rob on Twitter at Rob Mahoney if you're not yet doing so already Certainly highly recommend you doing so. And a reminder that the morning after every 76ers game this season, a fresh, brand-new episode of our Rewind series appears in your feed. You can get some game highlights from the outstanding Tom McGinnis, hear portions of Brett Brown's post-game press conference, and some additional commentary from myself and Tom about what we just saw. It's Rewind, and it comes your way the morning after every 76ers game from us here at the Sixers Podcast Network. I that's all I got. Talk to you next time right here on the broadcast. See you.
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 